So I'm going to try to sit down today, which I've never done. So if I fall out of this chair, please just know I'm a very clumsy person, so it could happen. I always wonder how Matt can sit down with all the energy that you have and not fall out, because we'll see, we'll see how this goes. But I just feel like Christmas time, you know, just a little chat, it's better to sit down. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's a dumb thing. But So we're in Advent, and we have the two candles lit. And growing up for me in church, we did Advent, we celebrated Advent, but all I knew was they were candles. I really had no idea beyond that what Advent meant or anything. So it's kind of cool. I love that as a church we celebrate it and we talk well about Advent and what it means. And um, I heard this really cool quote the other day uh, about Advent. And I can't tell you who said it but because I don't remember. But the quote was that in Advent the church stands between two proclamations. God has come and come Lord Jesus. And I don't know, that's just the already not yet of the faith that we, that we participate in, that God has come, God with us, Jesus, he came, but we're still waiting for that time when he comes back and he establishes his kingdom over everything. And uh, so we, we, we're sitting in that time right now as a church, and we get to celebrate, but we also get to look forward to what's to come. And so let's do that well. Last week, uh, Matthew talked about hope, and I thought, I really like the definition you gave of hope, which was secured assurance. Um, To me, when I think about the word hope, a lot of times I'm like, well, I hope that I get a million dollars or something like that, you know, but that hope, we all hope that, but doesn't mean it's going to come true, but the hope that we have in Christ is secure, and we we know that that hope's going to be realized, and so that's the difference in this type of hope, and so this week, we're going to talk about peace and Man, just the word peace, I don't know about you, but when I hear that word, it just settles my heart a little bit. Um, and we're going to be looking at some similar passages to what, we, to, to what Matthew looked at last week, but we're going to talk about them in a little bit different way, which is cool. Um, so first, and there's a lot of scripture today, so if you want to turn with me, you can, but Michael's going to have everything on the screen for us, so don't feel pressured to turn everywhere that I turn today. Uh, but we're going to f- first start in Isaiah, which we know we hear, we hear passages in Isaiah a lot during Christmas time. And Matthew read this passage last week, but we're going to be a look at Isaiah 9, um, starting in verse 6. And it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So this Messiah, Isaiah is prophesying about this Messiah that is to come. And one of the names that Isaiah gives is Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And we see, we're going to turn over to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to see this prophecy fulfilled. Um, and Matthew, last week, he read, some, he read in Luke chapter 1, a little bit before this, about the, whole, uh, about the angel coming to Mary, and about um, Elizabeth, who, who she became pregnant in her old age, and Mary, she became pregnant as a virgin. Uh, just miracles, miracles happening. 
things that no one ever thought could happen. So we're going to continue. We're going to look starting in verse 1 of Luke 2. And uh, I know a lot of us have heard, heard this passage a lot. Every year at Christmas we hear it. But I just want to encourage you, and I'm telling this to myself as well, that let's try to not lose our excitement over this. This is the greatest story ever told. And sometimes when we hear things over and over and over again, we kind of lose that sense of excitement or we just we have that familiarity with it and we don't really take it to heart and understand its meaning. So I just challenge, I'm challenging myself and I challenge you when we hear this, let's try not to lose that excitement. Let's try not to lose that zeal um, and just the, the wonderful, awesome miracle that, that what I'm about to read is. All right, so we're going to start in, in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Crinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because, the, because there was no place for them in the inn. Uh, I'll just stop for a second. I heard somebody say one time that we, we must know that Luke, being a man, wrote this because he says uh, she, the time came for her to give birth and then she gave birth and then he just moved on. I've never gave birth before. My wife's pregnant, so I'm going to be going through that with her at some point, but I'm so glad I don't have to do it. But I heard somebody say that it's clear a man wrote this because if a woman had written this, there would be a lot more in there between those two sentences. Uh, All right, back to verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. So we're going we're gonna to focus on, vor- on verse 14 today. This is kind of the angel's chorus. Um, they, they, they're saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So because of the birth of Jesus, uh, peace, peace has come. And so this says, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So what does it mean to be, for God to be pleased with us? That's, that's the question. Because we see that peace comes to those with whom God is pleased. Well, we can look at uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 13, and it'll be up on the screen. You don't have to turn there. Um, It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So it's in believing that we find this peace. It's in believing that God has favor on us. And so that faith and that believing is what brings us peace. Uh, there is no peace without faith in Christ. We cannot get peace. Um, we cannot get peace by doing anything, by works or by earning. We can only find true peace and faith and believing in Christ. And so you might ask, what kind of peace does faith in Christ bring? I mean, 
we know that Jesus came, but we know that there's not world peace, that's for sure. We live in a time where there's, uh, throughout the years, there's been wars, fighting. We live in a time of conflict right now. Even though our country might not be in a war, we see fighting all over the place. Um, but the peace that, that Christ brings, I think there's three types that we can, we can see today. Um, and the first type of peace that we're going to talk about is peace with God. Um, that, that's sort of a weird phrase. Uh, if you haven't heard it before, peace with God, what does, that, what does that mean? Well, the Bible teaches us that we are enemies of God because of our sin. And that's a pretty scary, that's a pretty scary thought. If you've ever read the Old Testament, uh, you've seen what happens to the enemies of God throughout, throughout the Old Testament. They usually get destroyed and it's not pretty. Um, but see, God created the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. And he created them perfect, and he created this perfect place for them, and he gave them, he gave them one, one rule. He said, don't eat of this one tree, don't eat this one fruit. And they chose to, to rebel. They chose to eat that fruit, even though God said, you have everything you need. This is the one thing I'm asking you not to do. And they ate that fruit. And because of that, sin entered the world, and we all have to deal with the consequences of that every single day. We have to deal with pain. We have to deal with suffering. We have to deal with temptations and trials. Um, because sin entered the world, it created this barrier between us and God. It created this because God is holy and perfect and just, and we are not because of sin. And so it creates this barrier between us and God, and it creates this conflict. And there is no, there is no peace with God when that barrier has not been dealt with. Um, and so because of Adam and Eve, we have this barrier because of our sin. And you may have heard this, this verse, but Romans 6, 23, it says, the wages of sin is death. What we deserve, wages are what we earn, what we deserve. Because of our sin, we deserve death. We do. And the barrier just creates this conflict. It, it creates this conflict between us and a holy, perfect God. But we talked about hope last week. There's hope. There is hope because of the birth of Jesus, because of his life, that we can have a relationship with God. Um, Matthew, we looked at this passage last week, Romans 5, 1 and 2. We'll, we'll turn back there. We'll look there. Um, and it says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So if we, if we have faith, there's hope for us. If we have faith, we can have peace with God. That, that's the good news. That's the good news of the coming of Christ. God made a way for us to have peace with him. God made a way for us to have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. It's the best news in the world. And this peace comes because of what Jesus has done. He was born of a virgin. That's what we, we read about at Christmas time. Jesus came to earth. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless, perfect life, the life that we cannot live. He faced all the temptations that we face. God, Jesus was fully human. He was also fully God. He was fully man and fully God. He faced the same temptations that we face, but he overcame those. Um, and then he died on the cross. He died the death that we deserve, and he bore the weight of all of our sin on the cross, and he, he sacrificed himself for us. And then he defeated death. He rose from the grave, defeated death once and for all, making a way for us to overcome that barrier of sin and have access to God. 
It's the gospel. It's the best news we could ever hear. That all we have to do is have faith in the saving work of Christ, and we can have peace with God. Man, I'm so thankful that God has provided a way for us to be reconciled to himself. Um, man, it is amazing. And, and here's the thing. When we put our faith in Christ, when God looks on us, he doesn't see, he doesn't see all the filth and dirt of our sin. When we put our faith in Christ, when God looks on us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And that is nothing that we could have done for ourselves. It is only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we can have that relationship. Man, without this, without peace with God, there is no other peace that we can have. Our lives will be utter chaos without this peace, peace with God. Um, man, if we have peace with God, we can have another kind of peace. And that's the second kind of peace, which is peace with ourselves. But without peace with God, this, this peace with ourselves is never, ever going to be obtainable. We can strive for it, we can try for it, but we're never, ever, ever, ever going to obtain it. But when we have peace with God, we can realize peace within ourselves. We're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 8, if you want to turn there. And you may have heard this story. It's a very, very familiar, familiar story. And a lot of times, it's uh, sometimes the, uh, the stories in the Bible, we hear them. And we've heard them so much, they can almost become like cliche or something like that. But I just challenge you not to let, let that be the case here. Um, in Luke 8, we're going to start in verse 22. It says, one day he got into a boat, he being Jesus, with his disciples. And he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went in and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to, to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? See, the disciples were, they were with Jesus, and they were in this boat, and Jesus goes to take a nap, big storm comes, and they, they just start freaking out. How many times is that in our lives do we do that? We know Jesus. Um, we understand Jesus, you know, what he has done for us, but when we get in these times of turmoil in our lives, we just freak out. The disciples, they, they were panicking. They said, Master, Master, we are perishing. They thought they were dying. But they woke, they, they woke Jesus, and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and there was calm. Man, you know, kind of see towards the end of this that they were a little bit, like, just couldn't believe what had just happened, and they were even a little bit afraid, because they had seen Jesus, Jesus perform miracles. They had seen him heal people at this point. They had seen him cast out demons, but there were a lot of people in this day and age who were, you know, who could do magic tricks, or, you know, they were sorcerers. They, they, they kind of manipulated people to believe, you know, to think that they were healing people. They had seen some of that before, but when someone could control nature, like weather, that's a whole nother level of, of miracle right there. Um, and so the disciples were like, what is going on right now? Like, okay, we've seen you heal people. That's awesome. We've seen you rebuke demons. You know, that's cool. But, like, who is this that even the wind and waves obey, obey this person? And really, that's the main point of this passage is that Jesus is sovereign over everything. He is in control of everything. And when we, when we trust that and we really and truly believe that in our lives, we can have peace with ourselves and with God. Um, you know, this is sort of a, you might think I'm weird for this, but there was a time in my life where 
I was having a lot of nightmares. Just, I would wake up in the middle of the night, this is before I was married to Lexi, and uh, I would just be like, I don't know, I would just dream crazy stuff. I told Lexi I had a nightmare the other night, this is a, this was a kind of a scary one, where I was uh, going down this slide, and there were all these different, like, shoots that you, like, it separated into, like, ten different shoots, and I, I went into one of them, and it was a really, like, narrow tube, and there was laundry on both sides of it, so, like, I couldn't get out, and then laundry was coming behind me, and I was just completely freaking out, and I woke up like I thought I was suffocating. <laughs> so that's an example of a nightmare, but I used to have a lot of really crazy nightmares, and uh, I just started doing this thing, and this sounds crazy, but I just started doing this thing where I would wake up from the nightmare, and I would just out loud say Jesus. I'd just say the name of Jesus, and I just felt this overwhelming calm and peace. Like, just the name of Jesus brings peace. And, uh, man, it is amazing when we can experience that in our lives. We know that he's in control. We know that he's sovereign. Um, even the weather obeys him. Uh, when we fully trust his sovereignty, when we, when we fully trust that Jesus has what's best for us and that he's in control, we can have internal peace. Um, we don't have to, the striving can cease. We don't have to keep searching for the next thing to bring us contentment. We know that only in Christ and in, the, in our dependency and trust in him can we have peace, can we have true internal peace. And you've heard this before, but it's a peace that passes all understanding. Sometimes we cannot even explain it, but we know that because God's in control, we have peace in our life. You know, we talked about the, the definition of hope that Matthew gave last week, and I was trying to think of what could be a good definition of peace, just something to kind of take with us and what I came up with is that peace is the calm assurance of God's sovereignty. Peace is the calm assurance of God's sovereignty. We, when we know that God is in control, we have peace. We have this calm assurance in our life. We're going to look at John 14, 27. It'll be up on the screen here. Um, and it said, this is Jesus talking. And he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, uh, neither let them be afraid. Jesus left us with his peace, and he gave us the Holy Spirit. The, the Bible talks about uh, when Jesus, he was here on earth, and he lived a perfect life, and he died, and he rose from the dead, and then he, he ascended to heaven, but he left us with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee. It's, our down, it's, a, it's a down payment that Jesus, that we see in the Bible that says we have the Holy Spirit as a down payment. As, as a guarantee, as a promise that, God, that Jesus is going to return. And so we have peace knowing that God is with us every single day when we have faith in him. We have the Holy Spirit. So anxiety and stress, you know, we all face times of anxiety and stress, but when we have peace with God, those times are a little bit easier. See, Jesus can silence our fears. He can silence our doubts because we know he's in control. We can stop searching for contentment in other places. It's so easy to look for contentment outside of Christ. Um, many of us, we look for contentment in money, in our jobs, in building a nest egg, just building a, building a safety net in case something happens. But then inevitably something will happen and that, that money doesn't cover it. Or even though we thought that money could fix the problem, it doesn't. Uh, we look for contentment and peace in our job, in our possessions. We look for it in even stuff like sports, Things that can never, ever, ever give us true peace. Um, man, as believers, we have to know that our only place to find peace, internal peace, is in Jesus Christ. Nowhere else. We cannot find it anywhere else. 
we might can find a temporary moment of satisfaction in something else. And you know what? A lot of those things are good, you know. Sports, they're good. Job's good. We got to have them, you know. Money's good. We got to have it. But if we look for peace in those things, we're never going to find it. Just like Matthew said last week, if we, if we put our hope in any of those things, it's going to fail. If we put our peace, if we look for peace in those things, we're going to fail every time. So once we have peace with God, we can have internal peace within ourselves. And then when we have peace with ourselves, there's a third type of peace that we can have, and that's peace with others, peace with those around us. <clears throat> the Bible calls us to be peacemakers as followers of Christ. We're called to, to, to be peacemakers, to make peace. And man, that is hard in this, in this day and age. It really, really is. We live in a time of just political chaos, um, a lot of fighting, arguing. Even in the church, there's a lot of fighting and arguing. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to be a peacemaker. There's so much division. It is so hard to make peace. But, we, but Jesus tells us in, in his Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And uh, we are to be peacemakers. It's hard. It's really hard. But this part of our sanctification. See, when we, when we trust and put our faith in Christ, we, we become more and more like him as we continue to be sanctified. And part of that is to learn how to be a peacemaker. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I am not good at this. I am very, very bad at this. But I feel God has I've come a long way, even though I've, I've definitely not perfected it, but I have come a long way in this. I, you know, I'm one of those people, you all probably roll your eyes, but I love a good argument. It's just, it's just who I am. I love a good argument. It's... Uh, it excites me to just to have conversation, to, to have a debate with somebody, but and I used to be, if you knew me in high school, uh, I was the person who, I just looked for an argument. If there was an argue, argument to be had, I would have it, even if I didn't even agree with what I was saying. I just like to, I just like to have the argument, but God has, uh, has worked that out in my life, and uh, I think even Lexi would tell you, I'm still not perfect, but I've, I've come a long way in that area. <laughs> I, I really have, and you know, it's not good to argue just to argue. It's not good to, to quarrel just to quarrel. We're called to be, to be peacemakers. Um, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. So this is Paul, and Paul is talking to Gentiles. Paul's a Jew, and he's talking to Gentiles here, and this is what he says. He says, for he himself, talking about Jesus, is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So, man, this is, this is Paul talking to the Gentiles. The Jews and the Gentiles, traditionally, they hated each other. They, the Jews were separated people, and they thought the Gentiles were dirty. And we see all throughout the Old Testament all these laws separating Jews from Gentiles. And Jews would not even be in the presence of Gentiles. But here, here Paul is saying, listen, because of what Jesus has done, all can have access to God. And it brings us all together. Jesus is that uniting force that can bring us together. And let me tell you something. If Jesus can bring together Jews and Gentiles, he can bring us together with those people that we feel like we're in conflict, conflict with, I promise. He can bring us together with our family. He can bring us together with fa uh, fellow believers. He can bring us together with people that we never, ever thought we could find reconciliation with. 
But as a believer, it is our job to seek peace with people. It doesn't mean we're compromising truth. We'll never, ever compromise truth for the sake of peace. But what it does mean is that sometimes we have to do what, what the Bible says, which is to take up our cross and follow Christ and to sacrifice something in ourselves to make peace with someone else. Um, I, heard this, um, I heard this really interesting, or, or I think it's a cool uh, illustration the other day. And, you know, so have you, I'm sure you've been in this situation if you drive, but you're on the road and it's dark and another person has their bright lights on and they're coming straight towards you. And I, we, we're, we're in, uh, we're, with the time change, I'm driving in the dark more, so I've experienced this pretty recently. So my natural reaction is I'm going to turn my bright lights on and I'm going to blind that person. Like, that's what I want to do. But here's the thing. We have a choice to make. We can do that, and then in that situation, neither one of us can see, and we're probably both going to have a wreck. Or we can choose to keep our lights on dim so that at least one of the two vehicles, drivers, can see where they're going and maybe avoid a wreck. And so sometimes in our relationships, in our marriages, we need to dim our lights. Because when we're both fired up and mad and, and arguing and upset, it's very hard to find common ground. But sometimes whenever we dim our lights and we let the other person kind of just give them a little grace, we can, we can, we can find reconciliation. And, you know, as believers, we have been forgiven. We've been, we have been forgiven much, and we are called to forgive much. And, man, it is sometimes hard for us and for me to, eat, to just sort of eat my pride, to swallow my pride, and just sometimes let someone else win or have their way whenever, whenever it's... Uh, something that I feel strongly about, but man, we need to dim our light sometimes in order to make peace, and I'll say it, we live in a, a day and age of COVID and politics and all that kind of stuff, and we, we have our opinions, and we feel passionately about them, but sometimes if it's not an, an issue of like gospel importance of the, what we're talking about today, if it's not an issue of gospel importance, we can dim our lights on some of that stuff. It's okay to have an opinion, it's okay to have a belief about something, but it is not, I'll say this, it's not worth losing a friendship with a brother in Christ over a vaccine or over whatever, you're, whatever side you're, you are on that debate. And I'm not here to talk about that, but it's not worth losing relationships or creating conflict over something that's not of gospel importance. And that's just something we got to realize. We are called to be peacemakers. Another thing that we can do as peacemakers is we talked about the only peace that there is is peace with God. The only real peace that we can find is peace with God. So, We've been hounding on this, but uh, several, I guess maybe it's been a couple months ago now, we all, those that were here, we wrote down three names on our little card of people who are close to us but far from Christ. Man, the number one way we can be a peacemaker in that relationship is to share with those people the true peace, which is peace in Christ. And so I encourage you, man, this is a great time of year, too, to share that with them, to talk, you know, we're, we're in Christmas, we've talked about it, you know, we hear Christmas music on the radio, uh, everyone's talking about the season. Man, we can share with those people. Because Jesus has come, you can have peace. Because Jesus has come, you can have hope and joy and all the things we talk about in Advent. So I encourage you, try to find a way this holiday season to, to share that peace that you have with those people you wrote down on that card. And, and here's the thing. Yes, like we, we need to verbally proclaim the gospel to those people in our lives, but they can see peace in your life by the way you react to things going on. Uh, man, when Matthew uh, talked about his accident and said that uh, he was just happy that when he was squeezed, Jesus came out, man, that just really hit me. That, I mean, that, that's when people can see that peace in your life. 
when we're squeezed, what comes out? When we are squeezed, when we are in times of difficult situations, deaths in our family, um, tough situations with our kids, tough times at work, how do we react and how do we respond? Do we respond in panic or do we respond with this calm assurance that we have peace because of what Jesus has done? And no matter our circumstances that we face on this earth, we know that our, our eternal hope is secured in Christ and nothing can change that. That's the peace that people can see in your life. And you know what? Sometimes it takes tough moments for people to see that in your life. But man, when they see that, they're going to they're gonna want that peace. They're going to want it. They're going to be more open and susceptible, and susceptible to hear, receptive, that's the word, to hear what, what that peace is and why you have that peace. We have the Holy Spirit. He's our peace and assurance in the tough times. And uh, that's, that's, that's our hope. That's our peace, what Jesus has done. So this Christmas time is a great reminder. As I said, it is so, so easy to hear the Christmas story and just kind of write it off. That's something we hear every year, and we know it. But I encourage all of us, let's make the Christmas story new and real and fresh in our lives this, this Christmas season. And let's, let's think about the peace that Christ gives and Christ brings. Man, the fact that God sent Jesus Emmanuel, God with us to this earth to, to, to rescue us when we couldn't do, when we can never ever rescue ourselves. That brings the greatest peace that there could ever be. Jesus came to give us peace with God. He gave us, he came to, to give us peace with ourselves and he, he came to give us peace with others. And so let's, let's, let's remember that this Christmas season. Um, and, and here's the thing, let's live in his peace. And if you, if you don't have that first peace, which is peace with God, we would love to talk to you about it. All it takes is faith in Christ. Uh, when, when, when we have faith in Christ, he comes into our lives and completely changes our heart. And he removes us from our old ways and brings us into a new way. And uh, I know I can tell you my story. Anybody who, who has come to faith in Christ would love to share their story with you about the change in their life. When, when, they, when they came into, a, into this faith in Jesus. We would love to talk to you about it. So if you don't have that peace, anybody, I would love to talk to you about it. Anybody who has it would love to talk to you about it. And then if you do have that peace with God, I challenge you, trust in him. Trust in him in your life. In, even in the little things, trust in him. You'll have peace. Even, even as believers, we can sometimes fall into the trap of trusting in other things or putting, our, putting our, our faith and our, and our hope in something that's outside of Christ. And when we do that, we're going to experience chaos. So, so to the Christians, to those who have faith in Christ, my challenge to you is, is, is continue, even in the little things in your life and in the big things, trust him, and he will give you peace. And then the next step, as we talked about, is sharing that peace with others, being peacemakers in our relationships and sharing the peace of Christ with those who don't know Christ. That's what we can do. So that's the challenge today for us to live in his peace. Let's pray. Lord, um, we thank you so much for what you've done for us, God, just for, for your son, for the sacrifice uh, of sending your son to earth, born of a virgin, Lord, um, to live a perfect life, a sinless life that we could never live, to die a, to die a sinner's death as a holy and perfect perfect God. To raise from the dead, Lord, thank you for giving us a way. And Lord, we thank you for the peace that you provide, Lord, 
I just pray that today we would trust in that peace, God, that we would have faith in Jesus in all the circumstances of our life, in the busyness, in the chaos, Lord, that we would put our faith in you. And uh, Lord, we just want others to know that peace as well. Father, we pray for those far from you in our lives. God, give us opportunities. Lord, we pray that they would see your peace in us and our interactions. Father, and we just thank you so much. Help us to live in your peace. In Christ's name I pray. All right, so we have communion on the first Sunday of every month. So we're going to move in, into communion. And I feel like this is a great response to what we've just heard. If you have a, a relationship with Christ uh, today, I encourage you to go back and uh, to take of the cup, which, which represents Christ's blood, and the bread, which represents his body that he sacrificed for us to give us, to give us that peace, to give us that hope. And, and just a, a great time of remembrance of what, of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. And uh, if you are a believer and you have something between you and God, I just encourage you during this time to, to spend time praying, uh, talking to God. And if you feel that you're at a, a place where you can take communion, we encourage you to go back. And if you don't know Christ, we would love, love to talk to you. So uh, I'm going to pray and then one more time and the band's going to play. And during that time, just feel free to go back and, and take communion. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice, Lord, for your body that you sacrificed on the, on the cross, Lord, your blood that you shed for us. Lord, we remember, that, we remember that this morning. Lord, help us to celebrate that well, Lord. Help us to just to be grateful for what you've done as we take this communion. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.